1: Balance this together with that principle of what Paul brings out here the principle of sowing and reaping. And you'll see that God desires the heart of the individual to be so tuned to Him, first and foremost, tuned into the Lord. Man walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit desiring to serve and to love Jesus with all of our hearts, that's first, that is utmost, that is primary, that's paramount in everything. Man, get our hearts right with the Lord first.
0: Pastor David doesn't believe that any Christian should be forced to give a certain percentage or amount of money. How is it that a believer can know how much to give to the work of God or the needs of others? To understand what to give, one must pray that God would show them. And the spiritual blessing can be a walk with God built on trust that God will provide for your needs. We are free to give as God leads. And God reminds us here today that we'll reap according to the measure that we sow. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Financial Blessings.
1: He also goes on in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having, how much sufficiency? All sufficiency in how many things? In all things may have an, what's that word? An abundance for every good work. Paul, what are you telling me here? He's saying that God will bless you when you are obedient to his call in your life in that area of financial support and stewardship. As it's written, he is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, I wanna back up a little bit here. Look at verse six. But this I say, those opening words, my New King James Version says, but this I say, but in essence, what Paul is saying, he says, hey, pay attention. What I'm about to say is of utmost importance. The NIV, the Holman Christian Bible, both of them agree when they, they translate it this way. They said, remember this. Remember this. The English Standard Version translated, the point is this. And then the New American Standard, he says, now this I say. And then he goes into speaking, if you so bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And on to that. Paul is about to share with them a pretty strong spiritual truth. He wants to make certain that they understood and that they received the word as an important word. This isn't just something passing that Paul is writing. No, he wants to get their attention into this. The principle of that whole statement that he makes about the sowing and the reaping, you and I need to understand, that has far-reaching results. This isn't just a a money situation. Guys, this is our life as believers. What we pour into our Christian walk is what we're going to reap out of it. If we sit back on our laurels and we say, well, God, here I am. Bless me in the midst of this. And we never take a step to be usable or used by the kingdom of God, if we never invest our life into the kingdom of God, guess how much we won't reap in the midst of that? And that's what Paul is saying. Look, guys, this is important. You need to understand it. He uses this agricultural proverb, probably a proverb maybe of of the day. The one who sows sparingly, will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. In essence, what he is saying, don't expect to get too much of a harvest if you're not willing to sow sufficient seed. Or don't expect too much of a harvest if you're not willing to do the work that is necessary to get that harvest. Now, beloved, we know we are not saved by our works, but we are called to workmanship in Christ. We are called as believers to invest our lives within the kingdom of God for the purposes of God. We cannot get around that. In agriculture, this simply makes good common sense. You want a good garden, you need to work at it. You want good results from that garden, you wanna have good vegetables or whatever you're growing in there at the end at the time of the harvest, then you better have put in a lot of time and effort prior to the harvest my garden. Okay, here's true confession right now. Through the years, I've shared with you guys. We we do a little raised bed gardening, you know, in our backyard. My garden's dead right now. I'm getting absolutely nothing out of that garden. And you know why? I haven't put anything into it since early, early summertime. Just time-wise, focus-wise. Okay, desire-wise, there's a whole lot of reasons why. But because I haven't put anything into that garden, I'm not going to reap anything out of that garden. Where's your spiritual life, church? What are you reaping in the things of the Spirit in your life? If you're not putting into it, you're not going to reap out of it what God desires to give you. Now, this isn't unique to the Apostle Paul. This whole idea of this truth, actually, it's a life principle. It goes all the way back. Proverbs, Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says, uh, there's one who scatters, and yet he increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, and yet that leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered Himself. See what he said? The one who scatters is going to get more in other words he 's out and he 's busy, whether it be spreading the gospel or working within the kingdom of God or supporting in the ministry whatever that spreading is he says that one that spreads he 's going to increase more, but the one who withholds more than is right he 's holding on and holding on because man i, I don 't want to give my time here because my time is so precious i don 't want to give my talents over here, because again, man, I I just don't have time to do that, and I don't want to spend the effort to do that. My treasures, my finances, I'll give a little here and a little there, but that's just about it. And he says, the one who withholds more than is right will lead to poverty. But he says, the generous soul will be made rich. Beloved, it's this overall idea of living our lives with a generous and a liberal heart, a generous and a liberal heart. It's the whole concept of us not being able to outgive God. You cannot outgive God. You cannot have God owing you. Well, God, you know, I I, I volunteered four days last week, so you really owe me something in that. Really? What does God owe you in the midst of that? Well, Lord, you know I, I donated $100 to this or to that. None of us are going to be able to outgive God in any way. God is the one who, again, above all things, we owe everything. Everything we have is his anyway. Amen? Okay. Everything we have is his anyway. Amen? Okay, I just, you, you need to know that. That's got to be driven home over and over and over again. Everything that you have, everything your life, your relationships, your health, your finances, not only your future, but your present. Beloved, it's all His. And what kind of stewards are we of what he is allowing us to carry for him? Paul makes it really clear for the Christian. This isn't a percentage standard that, hey, everybody there in Corinth, you need to be giving X amount of percentage of your income or your finances. No, and neither does he say there's a, a set amount. Well, you know, we've, we've done an, a, a survey over the, of the demographics of the city of Corinth and the average income Corinthian is X amount of dollars. And so out of that, you, everybody ought to give X amount of money. He didn't do that at all. But he did encourage them, don't forget, you're going to reap whatever you sow. You give what God has laid upon your heart, but understand there is a spiritual balance there. You're gonna reap what you sow. This, of course, has both good and bad connotations to it. But here, Paul is, again, he's accentuating the positive for them with a desired positive outcome in the hearts of the Corinthians, and not only for the Corinthians, but for all the churches that he speaks to and he ministers to. Paul is coming up with, I believe, as little amount of stress as he possibly can for the people that he's ministering to. He says, look, I don't want want to be under obligation. I don't want you to be stressed. You pray about it. See what God would lay on your heart. But I, I need to tell you this spiritual principle, though, in the midst of this. I don't want to shortchange you. You're going to reap what you sow. And so Paul, in his honesty to the people, but yet also his care and his love for the people that they're not stressed and they're not bummed about this whole thing. It's usually so difficult, you, don't have, you have no idea how difficult it is speaking about finances and financial stewardship to the church because everybody takes it from a different concept. It's way too easy, really, for any pastor or any Bible teacher to declare that the stress and the uncomfortableness of speaking about finances only comes upon those who are unfaithful in that area. You stress that we're speaking about finances, maybe you're not faithful in that area. Now, that's way too easy. Speaking about finances makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you need to give a little bit more. <laughs> Listen, beloved, I've heard it. I've heard it. And that's not what Paul is speaking here. And that's not what I'm speaking. That's not where we're going. The fact is, people have various reasons, again, for being uncomfortable when it comes to speaking about finances and the support of ministry. Some of you even here tonight, maybe, maybe you've been burnt in the past. You gave faithfully to to a ministry only to see great misuse of the finances by the leadership of the churches. Hopefully, that's not this church, okay? But in the past, perhaps you've seen that and you say, man, I'm really leery of giving anything to a ministry. Maybe some of you have felt pressure for years and years to give, to, to give either a certain amount or a percentage. You felt almost like you were under a spiritual blackmail. You know, if, if you don't give enough here, then man, either your salvation is in question or God's love and care in, is in question upon you. I know some Man, if you're, if you're with the LDS, they, they, they find out how much you make. They, they want a, a statement from you of what you make, and then they tell you how much you will give. And if you don't give, they come knocking at your door and say, oh, by the way, brother, you've fallen a little bit behind in your tithes. Man, what a horrible pressure that is, because if you're not up there with it, if you're not sticking with it, then all of a sudden you start losing the blessings of the church. And that's not just the LDS, believe me. Even within those who, within what you might even consider Christian churches, I've seen it done the same way. Another reason some people might be uncomfortable when we talk about biblical finances is maybe right now you are hurting so greatly financially. Maybe you are just struggling more so than ever in your life. You can't even imagine being consistent or a regular supporter of the ministry. And for others, maybe you've just never been taught biblical concept of stewardship and you have no idea. That's why Paul makes such an awesome and a powerful statement to us when he says there in verse seven, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly, not out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, as a pastor, I've yet to hear a lot of laughter during the offertory, but that's a whole different thing. (laughs) No, God wants it from our hearts, not with the arm twist. And you know, when God's people are walking where we need to be, and our heart is his, and he's going to take care of all these other things. Balance this together with that principle of what Paul brings out here, the principle of sowing and reaping. And you'll see that God desires the heart of the individual to be so tuned to him, first and foremost, tuned into the Lord. Man, walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, desiring to serve and to love Jesus with all of our hearts, that's first, that is utmost, that is primary, that's paramount in everything. Man, get our hearts right with the Lord first. Then he can lead the individual and he can lead a family into areas of biblical stewardship. But you know what? If I don't have my walk right with him to begin with, I'm going to be messed up in that area too. And it's going to be hard for me to trust God in in areas of biblical stewardship because I'm having a hard time trusting him in every other area in my life because whether I'm filled with the world or I'm filled with myself or just walking in fear. Once our lives, I believe, are focused directly on the Lord Jesus Christ, once our hearts and our minds, he becomes first and foremost, then I believe that we will want to be a part of what God is doing. I'm, I'm, I'm loving him. I want to be actively involved in what he's doing. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a bystander. I don't want to be somebody sitting up in the stands while the kingdom of God is moving on in front of me and I'm not really actively a part. I believe that when our heart is right before him, we want to be a part. We want to be in on the action. People, when our lives are right before the Lord, we're going to want to receive the blessings of being a partner in the gospel, And that's what Paul says. Man, we are partnering together with the Lord in all that. When our focus is right, then we're going to recognize that the return of our quote unquote investment in the kingdom's work will most likely bring back spiritual benefits. I'm going to say, most likely. And some of you are saying, well, no, the word says that it will give spiritual benefits, and I know that it does. But the question that I have, the struggle that I have for that is, am I using God as a vending machine in my mind? If I put in the right thing, push the right button, then God's gonna give me what I want. You see, that, that works in some minds. It, it our our minds get all spun up and unfortunately there's a lot of preaching from a lot of pulpits that in essence declare that kind of a thing god promises spiritual benefits the problem is is too often the church doesn't understand what a spiritual benefit is well isn't a brand new car a spiritual benefit <laughs> you know man i i, I want to get that bigger house isn't that a spiritual benefit i can Minister more with that bigger house, or, well, yeah, never mind. We'll, we'll just move on from there. When our focus is right, we're going to understand that the spiritual benefits that we do receive far outweigh any financial benefit that we may have considered. There's some ministries that say, hey, if you, if you give 10, God will give you 100 so if you mail me $100, God's going to bless you financially, that tenfold thing. Beloved, I'm going to be honest with you. There's times I say, okay, yeah, man, I'd love to have that. But the real truth of the matter is, I'd much rather have a spiritual benefit than a financial benefit. Because that financial benefit, that's going to burn up with the using. That spiritual benefit, though, that increases with the the use. Do you realize that? Spiritual benefits in our life, the more we use those spiritual benefits, they increase, they multiply within our lives. You get a financial benefit, you're going to go through that. But God promises, again, that spiritual blessing. In the midst of our giving, you need to understand, God is all about blessing. God desires to bless. And if he's led you to give a certain percentage, if he, catch that, if he has led you to give a certain percentage or a certain amount in the areas of ministry, then, beloved, in accordance with God's word, I'm gonna tell you, he will supply all of your needs. The word of God tells us that God is able to make grace abound toward you And that you, having all sufficiency in what? All things, may have an abundance of every good work. Say, Pastor, so if I've decided that we're going to give a certain percentage, then God's going to give me back that plus more to supply all my financial needs. That's not what I said. He will supply your needs. And perhaps your need is to understand, I didn't need that anyway. That that I gave to the Lord, I didn't need that anyway. Paul quotes from Psalm 112 when he says, He is dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. What do you mean he's given to the poor? How does God give to the poor, church? Any any responses? How does God give to the poor? Through us, through the non-poor. Actually, he probably gives more to the poor from the poor than he does from the rich. And we looked at that last week. It's it's not the rich that give. It is usually those that are lesser in, in income that give more. But he gives to the poor through his servants. He blesses us for what reason, church? To bless others. He blesses you to bless others. He blesses you to bless others. And if we could get that into our head, instead of stockpiling, we start thinking, wow, Lord, I, I, I've got this. There's a need over here, let me, man, I, I, I just wanna bless them. There's a need over there, I, I just wanna bless them. You know, again, the, the word that says more blessed to, Receive than give. Is that what it says? No, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Open our hearts. Change
0: us from within by the open. Word. That's all the time we have for today on the open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of Second Corinthians on the next edition of the Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have, or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We're thankful that you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you live in or are visiting the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has an invitation just for
1: you. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet Saturday nights at 6.30, Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can find our address and our directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church website. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune
0: in next time for another edition of The Open Word.